Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Full Stack Leader Podcast. This week, I'm here with Cam Kashani. She's an intuitive coach, divine feminine embodiment, and inspirational speaker. Cam, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm very excited, too. This is going to be a little bit of a different episode for us. We traditionally have a format that we use with a lot of the CTOs and CEOs and entrepreneurs, but you do something a little bit different in the world of leadership. And so I think we'll kind of have a more fluid conversation. Cool. Looking forward to it. Awesome. So let me start with this. I want to hear a little bit about where you came from and what you did. And I know that you, interestingly, you used to be known as the godmother of Silicon Beach. Yeah. Maybe you can give us a little perspective on your past and how you got that name. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Formerly known as the godmother of Silicon Beach. (laughs) (laughs) FKA. Exactly. So that name was given to me. It's not something I made up. My other life, when I, about 12 or 13 years ago, I started the first co-working space in Los Angeles before WeWork and before all these other guys existed that was focused on technology entrepreneurs and startups. And the idea for this space really came from a space of need, wanting to be around like-minded people, wanting to be a part of a community, and not knowing that it would become this really big, beautiful thing. And long story short, it was called Coloft in Santa Monica. And it basically, yeah, it basically became ground zero for the LA tech community. When we started Coloft, the LA tech community was dead. There was literally one event every two months, the same 90 people. There was no funding down here, very minimal activity. We were not on the map in any which way whatsoever. Koloff came around and we ended up in just a very short period of time, four, four, five, six months. We ended up getting a whole ton of attention. A lot of money started coming down. A lot of great names started coming out of our space. We had Uber. Instacart, ZipRecruiter, the early Tinder team, all these guys came out of our space. And it became just this beautiful family, this beautiful community. And it ended up spawning what we now know and refer to as Silicon Beach or the LA tech community. So a lot of people kept referring to me as the godmother of Silicon Beach because I was one of the <laughs> one of the main players in creating this, which was really beautiful and cool. I loved it. That is really cool. Yeah. And I think of the term godmother too, and it's almost like like a protective parent to some degree yeah. or someone that's yeah. looking up over. Yeah. So I like that. How do you think that played out with some of those really impressive companies that, that came out of the concepts really built within your walls? How do you think you guys were able to help foster some of that? Well, I can speak to myself and me being somebody who is very nurturing and I always lead from a space of love. And I think that's kind of that godmother name really came from. I would see these guys working really hard and doing everything they can and not really valuing themselves and what they had to offer and kind of keeping it in that ego mind versus the soul mind. And it was encourage them to come from that space of believing in themselves, loving in themselves and you know, believing in what they're doing. They're doing some really great things. I mean, some of the companies that came out of there were just incredible. And they always just felt really energized by that type of advice or empowerment, so to say. And it really helped them. It helped them see and feel things differently than what the typical narrative is out there. Like, it was more like, dude, 
align, align, alignment. <laughs> you got this. You can do this. Believe in yourself. You're doing something beautiful and special. Detach from this need to constantly impress people. Detach from this need of having to impress every investor that comes by. Believe in yourself and your power. And it really made a difference. Yeah, I really love that. And I think it's interesting when you talk about the concept of believing in yourself. I think entrepreneurs spend a lot of time believing in the idea that they have. Right. And, and sometimes forget that believing in themselves is actually what's going to help generate the idea. And the investors investing in you, the ultimate mm. product is you. They understand that the product is going to pivot and change so many times. Do you have what it takes to deal with that? Do you have what it takes to deal with every challenge and obstacle and hurdle that comes across and believing in yourself enough that you will be able to navigate all of that. And that's what a real investor is searching for. Yeah. There's so many treacherous steps throughout the entire process. Yeah. yeah. I always said that the biggest fight an entrepreneur is in is the one with themselves. It's not about your idea. It's about you. How do you relate to the obstacles that come forward? Do you make it mean something about you or do you just view it and like, okay, this is another thing. I got this. I can do this. It's really a matter of believing at yourself in yourself at an unreasonable level. Do you think that there's a sense that sometimes people can say the right thing? Like, yeah, I believe in myself, right? I, I totally got this. And deeper down, maybe they don't fully believe in themselves. Oh, and 100%. have you had experiences where you've had to like kind of pull that like real belief out before? Of course. And I'm the one, I'm, I keep it real. You know, I don't bullshit. I always keep it real. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> With all due respect and all the love and no judgment in the world, but I don't believe you. And I'll bring up an example of something and be like, oh my God, you're right. You know, and it's, and some of them don't want to believe it. Those are the ones that we call not coachable. Those are the ones that I won't mm. work. But the ones that are willing and able to put their ego, ego aside and see that, oh, maybe there is some truth to this. So how can I better myself? And how can, how, and it's like, you're doing it for you. You owe yourself the truth. You know, there's no need to put that type of wall up or that type of protection up. And I understand why they do it, though. The narrative out there is really disheartening at times. Yeah. So when you're coming at it from a heart-centered angle, it can throw them off. And they're like, but that's not what people are looking for. That's weak. That doesn't look right, blah, blah, blah. And that's when I come in and I'm like, no, this is power. True, authentic power comes from your heart. Yeah. I think there's also this interesting spot that you just brought up that is worth talking about around the way we wall up. And I think that the plight of the entrepreneur, especially in today's tech industry, is one of much rejection, rejection, right? How do you help people work through the idea that they're going to face massive rejection and it's probably still worth keep going? Yeah, I mean, so... I'm going to answer this probably a little differently than most people would. If you view rejection as something personal, then there's a deeper trauma that needs to be looked at. It's linked to something most probably from your childhood or your adolescent years where you internalized rejection and you made it mean something about you. Because the truth is rejection has nothing to do with you. Rejection is, in fact, simply redirection. It doesn't mean that they don't want you. It means it's not aligned with you. 
So if you're able to look at it from that space, it's more of a, for lack of a better word, logical way to look at it instead of an emotional way to look at it. Like this investor doesn't believe in this idea. Okay, no worries. Thank you for your time. Moving on. Next, I'm closer to my yes now. But if you look at that no and you think, shit, I'm doing something wrong. I'm not doing something right. They, maybe my pitch isn't right. Maybe my product isn't good enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. That is linked to a deeper trauma. So that's where my specialty really comes in of really digging deeper into the traumas and the way that you view yourself and the world. And once you begin to clean that up and begin to heal that is when there's a transformation and beautiful things come as a result. Do you think it's possible to do that work while you're also building a business? Yes. And I want to say it's harder, but at the same time, it's also the perfect accelerator for you to, because you're in the game, you know, you're in the game and you're in the Mm -hmm. game hard. So you're constantly being met with a bunch of rejection. You're constantly being met with a bunch of obstacles. So it's the most beautiful time to view every single one of those as an opportunity for healing and as an opportunity for growth. I was actually on the phone with a founder this morning that I work with, and he has some pitches today that he's going to do. And he's like, in that space of, I want to make sure I do it right. And I was like, I'm going to stop you right there. (laughs) That's the problem. It's not about doing it right. It's about speaking from your heart, believing in yourself, knowing that you can do it. Use all of this as practice and use all of this as opportunity to better yourself and to heal At the end of the day, we are human beings on this planet and we are souls. We are here to heal and we are here to evolve. Everything else plays secondary to that. So if you're able to shift your perspective into one of, I'm a soul here to ascend and grow and everything else is material for that, it can really help accelerate that process for you. So yes, it's a great way to do it. It is a little complicated, but it, and you need help, but it is a great way to do it. Yeah. It seems like having a guide is a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what you're talking about with the soul reminds me of something you said earlier too, which I want to see if you could clarify a little bit. You mentioned there's the ego mind and then there's the soul mind. Yes. And you as a creator or somebody that's bringing something to life, how can those two things impact something differently. You mean the perspective of each one? Yeah. Like how, if you approach something with an ego mind versus a soul mind, what would, what might the experience be like different between the two? So the ego personalizes everything, makes everything about you, about me. I'll just use me as an example. If I go through life in my ego, I'm going to take everything personally. And I'm also going to be achieving just to achieve. And I'm chasing, chasing, and I'm never actually fully satisfied. Because that soul part, that heart component is shut off. So it's never enough. And I never feel like I'm actually enough. And I constantly have to prove myself because I'm in that game. I'm in that mindset. I'm in that vibration. And that's a lower vibration. If I'm coming at it from a soul perspective, from a heart-centered perspective, from an authentic perspective, I view everything as material for my growth everything for material for as material for my enlightenment and i'm able to process it in a much more loving way towards myself i'm not as hard on myself i'm able to take the criticism and sit with it and be like okay this is what i heard today what am i making that mean about myself what am i making that mean about my product 
how can I make this into something that will, in fact, benefit me at a deeper spiritual healing level? And then when you do it that way, you're constantly up-leveling. Every single rejection is actually empowering you. Every single rejection is making you stronger. And once you do get to that yes, you feel so much more in your center, so much more free and true in your power. And you're, you get to a space where it's not like you're chasing. You just feel, this is what I deserve. This is where I belong. This feels good. This feels beautiful. And you feel aligned. It's a very different energetic than chasing and coming from the I'm not enough. It's a kind of calmer, more yeah. felt experience versus one that you're just like pressing. But how do you help someone transition from that kind of ego perspective? Like where, you know, maybe that's what we're taught when you're, we're young is just like, you, I've, got to, I've got to get this, I've got to achieve this, I've got to have these things. And then how do they transfer? It's almost like a maturation, right? Yeah, it's a lot of unlearning. Mm. You know, it's a lot of unlearning because we are raised and conditioned in this society to constantly go out for what is outside of us when all we need exists within us. There isn't anything outside of us that can actually make us feel better. If it does, it's temporary, right? It's like a serotonin dopamine high. Yeah. You raise money and you're like, oh, I'm amazing. And then tomorrow you're like, well, what? <laughs> you know? Totally. Yeah. Now I'm going to blow this money I just raised. Okay. Right. And then I got to go back and face and the real thing. I love that you just said that because this is where self-sabotage comes, comes in. Self-sabotage comes in and also the feeling of like, I don't deserve this imposter syndrome, right? Like these different things come in when you're not allowing yourself to get to that space of being healed. So it's a process of unlearning first because we're so used to that narrative out there that you need to chase, 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 hustle, 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 kill, kill, blah, 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 blah. And unlearning that is not easy. It really isn't. And I get that. I've been through it myself. I had to unlearn it all myself. And but when you do it, it is so worth it. So it begins with the unlearning and then it leads to digging deeper on your traumas, your personal traumas. What led you to believe these things? What led you to believe you're not enough? What led you to believe you have to prove yourself? What you led you to believe that anything outside of yourself is going to make you feel better or stronger or whatever that is. So it's a process. And with everyone, it's different. It's not like a one, two, three, but those are like the top two things that I would look at. Yeah, that's really good. I think for myself, looking back on it, it took me a while before I was ready to actually run a business on my own. I helped grow a lot of businesses in kind of my younger years, but I don't think I had faced enough challenges to where I could feel confident enough in that to have that level of calmness and that that kind of preparation. Do you think that some people are able to mature like at an earlier stage or maybe they're willing to go through some of the challenges in an earlier stage? Or do you think it's helpful that sometimes you learn and grow and then try out challenges like that? Is there a formula? There is no formula. Human beings don't adhere to a formula because we are all different. There's no one-size-fits-all approach. However, the key to what you just said is self-awareness. Are you being honest with yourself to know I'm ready or I'm not ready? Where is your inspiration and your wanting to do it coming from? Is it fueled by ego? Is it because you want to be a successful founder and raise a ton of money and be on magazines? Or is it because you're really fueled by what you're doing? You're really passionate about what you're doing. 
and you really want to make a difference and you know that you're the person that can do that. So it's a matter of having self-awareness and honesty with yourself, being honest with yourself and not fooling yourself like, oh, well, this guy did it, so I can do it too. You know, and sure, you can do it, but are you ready? Like, I wasn't ready to start a company on my own. I've had quite a few companies, but I've had partners. And, you know, what I do now, I do on my own. But I wasn't ready to do it on my own before. And I was honest with myself about that. And I did the work. I did so much introspective work and inner work and self-development work to really get to a space of, I can do this on my own. I believe in myself enough to be able to do it. And it's coming from a space of authenticity and truth and empowerment, not from a wounded space of ego. Yeah, that's really good. I think the actual conceptualization of stuff when it's tapped into that authenticity that you're talking about, it really like fuels itself for a long time. You you have something that you can build on. So I'm really passionate about the things I do. And the concept of what I'm building is really tied to that passion. It, it can drive a business for years and years, just mm-hmm. that alone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you think that entrepreneurs sometimes sacrifice other parts of their lives to make their professional or career dreams come true? And is that negative? Is that good? That's a great question. I see that all the time. I'll start by saying I don't believe in negative or bad or good. Everything Mm -hmm. is what it is, you know, and it is what you know, and it's what you know how to do. So there's no judgment on it. However, yes, I see people sacrifice their families their bodies, their health, their well-being, their mental health in so many ways. I mean, I used to see, and I did this myself, by the way. I mean, I'll use myself as a prime example. There was a period of time in my life years ago where I was fueled by Adderall. And I would take Adderall every single day just to be able to function, to be able to keep up. And I felt like if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to compete, so to say, or I wouldn't be Mm -hmm. able to be the best that I could be, which was an absolute lie. And it was coming from a space of total fear that I was telling myself. And that's the other thing. You don't want to be fueled by fear. You want to be fueled by very different energies. Yeah. So I've seen so many different entrepreneurs, leaders, founders, humans in general that are sacrificing themselves, their families in so many different aspects. And it catches up with you at some point. I mean, you see People that are successful, 40, 45, 50, heart attack, or, you know, they lose their family, divorce or or something. And they're like, oh my God, it's because I wasn't there or whatever else it might be. They're not fulfilled. They're not happy. They have to get to, and that's what the universe is going to teach you. Your soul at the end of the day is going to teach you what it needs to teach you, no matter how you decide to go about it. So if you're going to sit there and believe that your happiness lies in material possessions, your soul is going to give you a reality check at some point. That might be when you're younger. It might be when you're older. You might die alone. I don't know. Not to get morbid, but I'm just trying to make a point. Like you never know how it's going to end up teaching you in some way, shape or form. So if you are able to have that awareness from the beginning of I'm not going to sacrifice my true self, I'm not going to sacrifice what truly matters to me in order to get to this material space you will actually get to that material space sooner. That's the beauty. And that's and, and the and the irony, right? Right. Exactly. It's the total irony. It's, it feels counterintuitive because of how we've been conditioned. 
But the truth is that when you are in that space of I hold everything I need, you become a magnet. You become a magnet for everything on the in the outside world, from the material to everything else, and it'll just come to you. It becomes a much more effortless process. Yeah, that's interesting. The concept of personal magnetism. You are a magnet. Yes. And, you know, there's the classic phrase that you attract what you put out, right? Exactly. Um, do you think that's true? 100%. Everything is energy, right? Everything is energy. We are energy beings. Money is energy. Other people are energy. Everything around us is energy. So if you're coming from a lack energy, a fear energy, you're going to keep attracting that. If you come from an abundant energy, from a fulfilled energy, from a love energy, you're going to attract that. And it's such a it's something that needs to be taught. Like if, and I talk about this frequently because I have two children of my own, twin 10-year-old boys. And I try to speak this to them because I know they're being conditioned otherwise out there, you know? And if people really understood the power of themselves and the power of the energetic force that lies within you and how the more you fuel you and the more you heal you, you will attract everything you've ever wanted in your life. It doesn't need to be this horrible, hard game of struggle and suffering. It can be much more fluid. And I'll add to that the caveat that it does require you to do some deep healing work. So that part is not easy. Yeah. But it's worth it. It's so worth it. Do you ever work with, well, I remember you mentioning that you have been partners in other businesses. So you've had business partners in the past. Yeah. And do you ever work with the dynamics of business partnerships? Because so much of what happens in industry is related to that. I help have. through those? Yeah, I have. Yes, there's been. And again, partnership, whether it's in marriage or business, it comes down to the person in front of you is a mirror of your deepest wounds. <laughs> and so. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So are you willing to look at those triggers that come up with curiosity or are you going to project and blame and shame? That's the difference. So if you're willing to look at it as an opportunity for your healing and growth, like I got in a fight with my partner today about the fuck that guy. <laughs> if you're going to look at it that way, there's no opportunity to grow and heal. But yeah, for you to grow and heal within yourself, right? Yeah, exactly. And when you grow and heal within yourself, you are going to allow the partnership to ascend to another level as well. You are going to take that partnership to another level because you're bringing in that soul consciousness. You're bringing in that authenticity, that empowerment, and that love. And that energy can transcend. And, and it can last for years, right? Really absolutely. Absolutely. If both are willing, right? Both have to be willing. If the other side is going to be narcissistic or stuck in their ego or just like, no, then move on. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. not the right partnership for you. But if you're coming at it from a space of true authenticity and love and empowerment, then that can make the biggest difference in the world. I'm seeing that in my own relationship right now. Like we're both so committed to ascending and to loving and to growing that whenever triggers come up, we're able to go through it with ease instead of fighting and blaming and shaming. And it's so beautiful. Do you think that 
fighting, blaming, and shaming happens more in the tech industry because of the types of partnerships that exist? Or is it pretty common amongst most industries? It's just a human dynamic. Yeah. No, it's a human dynamic. I don't think that it's specific to any one industry. I mean, you know, you can go into corporate industries, Wall Street, medical industry, this, that. You're going to find a lot of ego there. And I don't think it's particular to any which way. It's really, it comes down to the human. Do you think that a little bit of conflict between the partners, if it's healthy, can actually lead to like growth for the business? Yes. When done in a healthy way and when approached in a healthy way, absolutely. It's growth for you. And as you grow, your business is a direct reflection of you. Yeah. So the more you grow and your partner grows, then the energetic of you two and that light between you two is going to amplify in your business. So absolutely, it can take the business further. So in tech, when I think about partnerships, there's lots of different types of partnerships that can exist and go on. And certainly the entrepreneur partnership is probably the most well-known and common one, but there's all kinds of different ones. There's a thing that came out recently, though, that's been in the news over the last couple of weeks around this Google AI called Lambda, I mean, potentially becoming sentient. I don't know if you've read about this or heard about this. I don't know. Okay. Well, basically, the long and the short of it is that the there's an open question. One of the developers of this AI believes that the AI itself has become basically self-aware and sentient. And it, even in the transcript that he posted and ended up losing his job over, but transcript he posted showed that it was able to be self-referential and that there is a growing partnership between the human and technology itself. How do you think that applies to the bigger picture of things? Like, is it important that we, like in the technology industry, that we might have to keep in mind that our partnerships and interactions go beyond just humans? You're saying that it, it's not just about the human, it's about the AI and all that whole thing being built? Yeah, I think what's coming up around it is that the AI is basically, in fact, the AI references itself as essentially a little girl. And it is learning, it's growing. And is that an actual entity? You know, I don't like this whole AI thing. <laughs> okay. okay. I feel very honest. I don't like this shit. I really don't appreciate. I see why it's there. I understand the benefits. I get all of that. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And unfortunately, so much of it is being fueled by ego. Mm. And so that energy is being almost subconsciously just kind of projected onto that. And, you know, not to sound cliche, but we've all seen the movies where the machines take over. You know, and, and we see why. Because of the power hungry. It's almost like they are mirroring our mm, darkest space which is that hunger and that that endless fuel, so to say, for power. Mm -hmm. And that is such an ego-driven space. And so anytime AI comes up or any of that stuff, I'm just like, get that shit away from me. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like the direction it can go. There's a lot of people that don't have the best interests of humanity in mind that are 
involved in this. They're thinking very much about themselves and their own accolades and them getting further. And it's going to harm a lot of people and it can really harm humanity as a whole. So I'm not I, a fan. I think, yeah, I think that's a really interesting perspective. And I think it's shared by many people. And the question is, can we even stop it from happening? And is it, or is this an evolution that's already in progress? And then it's up to us to adjust so that we can learn with it. So well, I just to say, like, that's the thing. The reason why I'm so passionate about what I do and helping people really get into their heart and helping people release those layers of ego, dissolve layers of ego and come down to their truth and be fueled by their truth and their authenticity in their heart is so that that future, it is inevitable in many ways. We can't control any of it. What we can potentially control is the way we view it and the way we push it forward. And the more we heal and the more we come from that space of authenticity, truth, empowerment, and love, the more those can be used for beautiful things. It doesn't have to become a negative thing. Unfortunately, there's just such a dark cloud out there of people in pain, leaders of this country, leaders of the world. The wars that happen. All of this is a bunch of traumatized people that aren't allowing themselves to go into their heart and lead from a space of love, that they have to go into blame and shame and war. So if we're able to get to the heart of that, and that's one of my dreams is to really be able to get to work with those leaders, to be able to work with those people, to help them heal at a deep level so that they make more heart-centered decisions as opposed to these wounded decisions, these decisions that are coming from the pain and abuse that they encountered as a child. Because that's really what's going on. It's a bunch of little kids running around in big people's bodies. And they're just because they have a, a label and a title of leader, people respect them and listen to them, but they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're all coming from pain and they're all coming from trauma. So the more that we're able to penetrate that and help those people get to a space of healing and make more heart-centered decisions is how we can create a shift in consciousness and how we can help the world shift towards a higher vibration. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. After founding Coloft, one of the original co-working spaces in Los Angeles, Cam was granted the title of the godmother of Silicon Beach. This playful identity really outlined the reputation she developed for creating spaces where like-minded people came together. More importantly, it was clear that she knew how much collaboration was at the heart of creativity in the burgeoning Santa Monica tech sector, something the film and TV industries had capitalized on for over a century. But what comes out of that is a love and passion for people and a way for Cam to make those learnings evolve into an empowering force for entrepreneurs understanding the importance of healing trauma, knowing your ego, and reaching your full potential as an entrepreneur and a human being are vital to Cam's formula for success. All right, welcome back, everyone. We're here with Cam Kashani. It's been a really interesting and exciting conversation talking about really the depth of humanity within leadership. And one of the themes that's been coming up throughout this conversation has been ego versus the soul and leading with ego versus leading with the soul. And I wanted to, instead of doing our traditional top five tips, maybe ask are really around what are some ways that we can lead with the soul? 
So, so Cam, maybe we can talk about a handful of ways that you can think of where we can really be soul centric versus egocentric. Yeah. I mean, we kind of alluded to it in at some point in the conversation where I pointed out self-awareness. Self-awareness would be the number one thing. It's the foundation of everything. So really getting to know yourself at a deep level and understanding where your motivations and your inspirations come from, where your set of values come from. And what are your values, by the way? Make sure you're clear on that as well. But self-awareness as to I truly understand myself, my motivations, my inspirations. I'm coming from a place of my heart. I'm coming from that space of authenticity. I'm coming from that space of truth. Because what really defines soul-centered leadership, so to say, is truth, authenticity, empowerment, and love. And when you take those concepts and bring that into you, how do you view each of those? What is your relationship with each of those words? What do those words mean to you and do some work on yourself to get to that space of self-awareness so that you're able to speak your truth. You're able to come from a space of authenticity, which is as opposed to the wounded space of trying to prove yourself or whatever it might be. You're coming from an authentic space and you're empowering those around you. You're not you know, doing the fear-based leadership crap that just does not work, which is unfortunately so prevalent out there too. I mean, yes. in the world yeah. all the time. Are you coming from a space of empowering your people or are you putting them down, you know? And when you're putting others down, you're putting yourself down. It's, everything is a mirror to the relationship with you. Everything is a projection. So if you're able to speak with people, to, to people with truth, empowerment, authenticity, and love, then that is very much an indication. That's how you speak to yourself. And that's how you see yourself. So the more self-aware you are and the more work you do on you and the more you heal your traumas, your pains and other things like that, the more that stuff will just naturally come forward. It's We are wired to actually be in that vibration, not in the fear-based vibration that we've been programmed to be in. Amazing. Okay. That makes total sense. But once you are self-aware, what's another thing that you'd want to be aware of around kind of a soul-centric leader, leadership attitude? Communication. I would really say communication is so crucial. How are you communicating with yourself and with others? When you get to that space of self-awareness, and look, self-awareness is constant. It's, yeah, I guess that's true. It's yeah. an ever-evolving thing. Self-awareness is forever. It does, yeah. It's not like, oh, I know myself. It's like, no. It's, <laughs> I, got a, I got a trophy because I'm totally self-aware. Exactly. <laughs> I've been doing this for almost a decade. Like I've been working on myself for so long. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, oh shit, like, whoa, there's another layer. Like, <laughs> yeah, there, where did that come always, from? I thought it. Yeah, there's always more and more. So, you know, it's it, it put once you're really working on that, it's the compassion and the communication. Are you speaking with compassion to yourself and to others? If something fails, are you going to make people wrong? Or are you going to see it as an opportunity to, you know, help everyone ascend to a different level instead of putting people down and yourself down? You're going to look at it as an opportunity for people to heal and to grow and to come together. And the community component that can be built from that is so powerful. There's just so many endless possibilities that can be had when you're coming from that space of love, truth, empowerment, and authenticity. That's great. And do you have any other final words on soul-centric leadership? 
It is the truth of who we are, as opposed to what we've been programmed to believe. The truth of who we are is a human. We are souls on this human experience. We're spiritual beings on this human experience. And our minds are being programmed to live in this lower vibration, this lower frequency, and to believe that we are not enough, that we're not lovable, that we don't deserve things. This is the wounding. This is the lie. If we're able to separate that and begin to work on that and heal that and realize that our true fundamental truth is love, empowerment, authenticity, and truth, then this is why I'm saying everything will become more effortless because it is the truth of who we are. And it's so much more beautiful. It's so much more healing. It's so much more effortless. It's such a beautiful, peaceful space to live in, a calm space to live in. I never find myself chasing anything. I truly believe that what is is mine and it's done and it'll happen at the right time. Divine timing is a big part of it all. I will not force anything. The force is the wounded energetic that so many of us have been programmed with. Forcing things into existence is not necessary. It causes stress. It causes pain. It causes suffering. We need to allow. And when you're in that space, things flow so effortlessly and beautifully. And this is what we're truly wired to have and the, what we're truly wired to be, actually. I resonate with so much of what you're saying and have been working on moving from that wounded state, I think that we all come out of our youth with, right? Yeah. And and over the years, you know, I've been around for a while now and feel like that maturation has shifted and it is a lot less about forcing things, but it's hard to see that sometimes when you're earlier in the process. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When I'm coaching people, this is very common. People are like, what do you mean? But that's not what I've learned. And that's not what the truth, that's not what society says, especially women. You know, there's such a wounding out there that we need to be in this toxic masculine energetic. And it's not necessary. You don't need to come from that. Women need to stop being men. You need to embrace your feminine. Your feminine is your power. This is where you can make a change. This is where you can make a difference. And when men are coming from their authentic masculine and women are coming from their authentic feminine, that yin-yang that comes together is so beautiful. And there's so much that can be created from that as opposed to this like competitive, like you're wrong, you're bad, you're bad, men, women, da-da-da-da. No, we are made this way to live in unison, to love each other, to help each other, to heal each other, to grow. So when we are able to look at it that way, so much can shift. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you for such an amazing look at leadership from a totally different perspective from what we usually do on the show. It sounds like the a lot of people could benefit from chatting with someone like you as a guide through their leadership paths. So please feel free to check Cam out on LinkedIn if you get a chance and track her down. But these are yeah. just powerful things for leaders. So thank you for being thank with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. And absolutely, if anyone wants to have a conversation, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or Instagram or any other medium. I'm happy to have a conversation. One moment that really impacted me was Cam's explanation of the differences between soul-centric and fear-centric leadership and how you can come from a place of compassion rather than anxiousness or fear of the unknown. Self-awareness plays a major role in our soul-centric leadership, knowing how you see the world, your values, and where they come from. Like she suggests, we can really flourish as a leader when we learn to communicate with healing intentions that bring out the best in not only ourselves, but those around us. 
while leadership is often treated with a level of sterility, CAM reminds us that when we return to the organic foundation of human connection, we discover the biggest opportunity to inspire creativity and create collaborative environments that are enjoyable for everyone, including us.